Episode 283 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Seminoff, sitting in for Bill. The Wichita Business Journal held its annual Ignite ICT Women's Conference on October 27th in Mark Arts, and we had great, three great panel discussions throughout the day. One was on using social media to your advantage, another was on the new normal of the workplace, and another was on career advancement. Today, we bring you excerpts of that career advancement panel with four human resources leaders in Wichita. It was a great discussion, and I know you'll enjoy hearing from Jennifer Blunden, Kara Hunt, Alana McNary, and Jessica Zacharias. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. Last week's Ignite ICT Women's Conference is our cover story as we write about the panel discussions and take a look at the revealing information from Wendy Doyle of United Women's Empowerment, the day's keynote speaker. Ignite coverage begins on page 16. This week's list is the area's largest commercial construction projects that have begun in 2022. See what the biggest projects are and learn about one underway in Northwest Wichita that's the largest of them all. The list is on page eight. Our 10 minutes with subject this week is David Decker, who has joined Envision Incorporated as an executive in development. Learn about why he loves fundraising and learn about what he sees in Wichita returning to the area after years away in other jobs. Our 10 minutes with feature is on page 35. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Well, we had three terrific panel discussions at our recent Ignite ICT Women's Conference, and some of the best discussion for the crowd of about 150 women professionals was about career advancement. Four HR leaders in the city gave advice, both from the HR side and from personal experience. The first question about was about how is it best to raise your hand to be noticed when an opportunity for advancement arises? Alana McNary answered first, followed by Jennifer Blunden of Coke Industries, Kara Hunt of Delta Dental of Kansas, and finally, Jessica Zacharias of Meritrust Credit Union. Here's what they had to say. I'll jump in. So one of the things that I would recommend is stepping out of your box. So one of the things that I've come over my HR career um, I'm typically an introvert, but I'm learning to be an extrovert in ways. Stepping out of my box, participating in things like these, um, raising your hand to, to put your name out there, even in meetings, whether it's something small or not, always have a comment in every meeting that you're in, um, no matter how little you think it may make a difference, but letting people know that you're there and you're willing to make that impact. Good. And I think being very direct is so critical. Um, don't wait until the opportunity is available because oftentimes they'll have someone in mind. So be really direct with um, either the company that you're wanting to begin working for or with your leadership about what you enjoy, where you think that creates value for the company and how you can contribute to that and let them know that that's your goal. Um, I think oftentimes you know, you hear, well, gosh, I would have been really interested in that. And I said, well, if I'd only known. So don't wait for someone to come to you about those opportunities. Make your desires clear and, and give them a reason, in fact, give them no reason not to think of you when that position comes open. 
I agree with all of that. I would also say continue to learn, um, continue to stretch, um, and whether you don't get those opportunities at work, um, but do take advantage of everything you do have at work, any of the learning opportunities, um, but you can also find that in your volunteer roles. Um, oftentimes when I volunteer, people are like, can you update our handbook? I don't want to update any other handbooks. Um, I want to do something that I don't get to do in my day job, um, so I always try to take an opportunity to explore something that I don't get to do normally in my day job so that I can learn new skills. But I would also say network and build your, your relationships in all aspects, both at work and outside of work, because having an advocate, somebody that's fighting for you when you're not in the room, is extremely helpful. Um, many of the things that I've gotten is because somebody else has recommended me when I'm not there. Um, so if you can have somebody that is in your corner, I think that's very helpful for you. So if you can build those relationships um, in all aspects, I think that, that'll help you. Something that we're talking a, a lot about at Meritrust is how work is changing so, so quickly. Um, and that's kind of creating some uncertainty in the organization. And so I think being kind of proactive, like you said, Jennifer, um, about listening to the vernacular um, that's within your organization. What is creating anxieties, uncertainties, and figuring out where you can kind of solve those problems, whether it's developing a skill, whether it's just offering to do something that's kind of the hot potato in the organization, um, whatever that might be. Um, Careful though, because um, if you just kind of start volunteering to do things and you just do it, um, people might just start thinking that's part of your job as it is right now. Um, and so you need to kind of be selling yourself along the way and reminding people that like, this is my job and I'm, I'm doing extra here, you're welcome. So um, just kind of walk that tightrope. The next question was about advancing in your career when you may not even know how or when you want to advance. Jennifer Blunden was first, followed by Jessica Zacharias, Kara Hunt, and Alana McNary. Validate what you think you want to do or what you think you're good at. Mm -hmm. um, I can have a vision of myself that, gosh, I'm just really great at social media. I'm not. Um, and so pulse the people that you trust. Find people that you have authentic relationships with. Find people who you respect and ask them for feedback. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to get constructive criticism, and that is the best gift that people can give you. So be open to it. Um, and so I think if you don't have a clear direction of what that is, that's okay. Be honest about that. Be direct about that. And say, I think I can do more, but I don't know, you know which way to go. Let's talk about the things that I'm good at. Um, if there are any of my team in the room, they'll probably roll their eyes because I use the Venn diagram a lot. Um, but it's, you know, let's map out what you're good at. Let's map out uh, what you're really passionate about. And then let's look at the needs of the company and let's find where those things intersect. And that's your sweet spot. And there can be a lot of different options in that, but if you get those three to combine, you're going to be in a really fantastic spot to find something that, that you really love. I... I'm obsessed with that answer um, because we talk about that all the time. Um, employees, especially 
earlier in their career, but even, you know, later on, we kind of get fixated on this linear pathway to what we have in our heads as success. And um, sometimes it's a matter of, yes, getting some external feedback. Um, my team, our HR team, loves to kind of sit down with people and tease out, what do you like doing? What gives you energy? You know, what do you hate doing? And um, we can kind of find a pattern in there of, okay, maybe you could be CEO, or maybe that same combination of skills is applicable somewhere else. Now that requires you to, in your career, be willing to kind of um, go back and forth. You know, don't think of it as the ladder. Think of it kind of as a jungle gym, um, to quote Cheryl Sanders. But um, yeah, be willing to go back a little bit to get your foot in the door and explore something new. And you won't believe how fast sometimes you can go right back up to that level where you were before, so. Mm -hmm. I would say pay attention to what you're interested in, what you're passionate about, where, what you spend your time doing, what you lose track of time when you're doing. Um, what would, what's something you would volunteer to do um, and start keeping track of that. Um, also, do any assessments that you have access to. Find out what assessments you might have available to you at the company. Start learning as much as you can about yourself. Uh, if your company doesn't have any um, that are available to you, there's a bunch that are free online. Um, so start really kind of deep diving about yourself, like where you get your energy, what you're good at, um, what things come naturally to you. Um, I wouldn't spend as much time focusing on things that you don't think you're good at as I would spend on focusing things that you are good at. Because you're gonna move faster on things that come naturally to you and that you're good at than things that you don't. So really, you know, spend time learning about yourself, um, what you like to do, and, and try to tease out all of those shoulds, because we have a lot of shoulds. When you start thinking about it, I should want to do this, and I should want to have this role, and I should want to move like this, and try to push all of those aside and start thinking about what do I like to do, what makes me happy, what gives me energy. When I leave at the end of the day and I feel like I've had a really great day, what does that look like? I think another thing is, even after you've left at the end of the day, if you go home in the evening and your desire and your passion is still there, you bought a book that you want to read in the evening, or you're willing to take a class after those hours, that's probably a direction towards the passion that you have. It's not necessarily being forced by the company or the group that you're with, but your desire is even outside those working hours. Next, the panelists were asked how often in their HR roles had they themselves or seen others create new positions for employees to fit the employee's strengths. Jennifer Blunden was first, followed by Kara Hunt and Alana McNary. I can speak for myself. I've been in that position um, several times. If you ask too many questions and you have the right background, you'll probably end up in a different role because it's what the business needs and it's what you find really fulfilling. Um, I have the luxury of working for a company who um, believes that there's really um, no linear path for anyone. We really should focus on the individual and find what's right for them. So, um, you know, going back to that Venn diagram, right, if you find the business need and you find the passion, help that employee go get the skills. And if that means that they're either not in the role or that we need to create a completely different role for them to create value, then I, I have found, um, not just at Coke, but in other employers, that there's a lot of willingness to do this if you're able to articulate how what's that mutual benefit to both you and to the company. And typically that doesn't happen overnight. So if an individual has a role and they start showing desire and passion in another area and that benefit starts reaping an ROI on that, um, we've in the past in roles that I've been in developed a role that does fully grasp the desires and the talent that the individual does have. Just know that it doesn't happen overnight. Good to know. 
And, and just to add one last thing, I think that's so important. And find a way to articulate in that, that to a, in a way that the company is going to connect to. So we talk a lot, all of our companies are talking about transformation, right? So talk about the way in which you want to transform yourself. Um, ask people if they're willing to take a bet on you, right? Sometimes that can take a really long time, and they want you to practically be doing all of the things in addition to your own role before they're able to recognize that. Mm -hmm. um, push that envelope a little bit and, and ask people, hey, I'm doing a really good job here. Um, we want to take, you know, we want to take risks. We want to run experiments. We want to transform. Are you willing to take a bet on me for a stretch role that I think I can do? Uh, don't be afraid to, to ask people to, to bet on you. Next, the four were asked about what advice they had for women to stand out in positions normally held or dominated by men. Alana McNary led off, followed by Jessica Zacharias, Jennifer Blunden, and Kara Hunt. So one of the things, um, I was one of the first uh, female directors in one of my previous roles, and one of the things I always told myself is no matter what we're in the room for, no matter what the topic is, find a place to speak up, whether it's a comment, whether it's a suggestion, um, making sure that they know and see me sitting at that table. I don't work in a male-dominated industry or field. HR is like super female. Um, but there are a lot of men in leadership um, in our organization. Um, and I, John Eck today keeps telling me to be bold. And I think that is kind of the ticket um, with making yourself um, some space in the room is to just be just a teensy bit controversial. Um, take some risks. And I know that's hard as, as women because we get penalized for it a little bit more often. But um, just be willing to say what's on your mind. Share that idea loudly. Um, and eventually, over time, um, that, starts, that space starts to get a little bit bigger for you, mm. I found at least. And I've been very fortunate, although I've been in, I'm a science geek, so I've been in male-dominated industries for uh, most of my career. I've also been very fortunate to have um, a lot of female role models, a lot of women in leadership in those roles. So I do think that is changing and it takes time. Um, but I'd also say I encourage people to really think about, you know, and I would give this advice to regardless of, of gender, um, understand what you're good at and how it relates to the people around you. So how does it complement the people around you? And I'll give you a quick example from, from my background. I used to work for a gentleman who was uh, very driven, very smart, uh, but he could steamroll a little bit. And um, he came to me one day after he'd had um, some struggles with, uh, I think, trust from his team. Um, he was having some talent retention issues. And he said, Jennifer, I know that you won't hesitate to challenge me, and I'm realizing I don't have empathy. And rather than just continuing to beat my head against that wall, I'm gonna use you for that. Um, you're gonna be able to tell me, if I have an idea that I run past you and you go, I'm gonna know that's probably not the best way to go, right? Because he was thinking 12 steps ahead of us, very smart guy, but he wasn't bringing people along. And so he was able to recognize where, I mean, I didn't think I was a terribly empathetic person, but benchmarking is important and I was more empathetic than he was, right? <laughs> and so 
So he was able to recognize that, but how much more value could it have created if I had been able to recognize that? So I think really think about the skills that you have, look at the folks around you and see how you're able to complement that, maybe bringing something to the table that other folks don't have, and how do you use that to make everybody better? I agree with that. I really think that we're better together. Um, and I do think that you still need to be your authentic self. I think a lot of times people are like, come to the table and be more aggressive, be more whatever. You know, you were invited to the table or you're at the table for a reason. And so you're bringing those strengths to that table. Um, but at the same time, a lot of my mentors have been men. And so I have worked with them to work on my presence when I'm at that table. And I find that their feedback is very valuable in helping me see what they see, um, and they, they perceive it in a very different way than I do. So back to your, your comment, surround yourself with people that will give you honest feedback, that will be your board of directors, that will help you develop and grow, um, and help you see the things that you may not see in yourself, but also lead with your strengths, um, because you need to still bring those things that you are best at to the situation that you're in. And make sure you're at the right table. I mean, make sure you're there for the reason that you want to be there, because you don't have to be at the table. We need people at all the different tables. Um, you know, you know that there's probably someone in your organization who is the expert that is not at that table, but you all know that that's the person you go to, and that's great. We need that person too. Um, so make sure that if you know that's the table that you want to be at, you're at the table that you want to be at. And bring someone with you, right? When you get a seat at that table, um, you know, I can see people get stuck in this idea that there's a scarcity model for success. Um, that if, if I get a piece, I've got to hold on to it because there's a limited amount. Um, and that just couldn't be further from the truth. So I really encourage people, if you get a modicum of that success or that opportunity, what can you do to bring someone else along? Um, those folks that you surround yourself, that you trust, that you want to work with, you know, see, see what it takes to get them a seat at the table, too. And then know your why, because there will be times that it's tough. Um, you know, you'll, you'll have people that say things to you, um, to your face, behind your back, and things like that. Um, you have to know your why uh, to help get you through those times. Um, and also, I am not the best at advocating for myself, um, but I am really great at advocating for other people. So I can either take a look at, hey, I'm not great at advocating for myself, or I can say, hey, I'm really great at this, so I'm going to bring other people with me, and that's my value that I bring. Mm -hmm. The panelists were then asked about how they make sure someone gets credit for an idea or work that's been accomplished, knowing sometimes people are reluctant to toot their own horns. Jennifer Zacharias was first, followed by Jennifer Blunden, Alana McNary, and Kara Hunt. I, I really, Wendy said something earlier, it was about her three, um, I can't remember what she called them, but she said, when we're starting to worry more about image than the work than we're, that we're doing, um, I, I start thinking about how we can be more humble um, and use more humility. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't ask for credit when credit is due, um, but I think sometimes um, we're, we get so caught up in like the injustice of it all um, when we don't get credit immediately that we sacrifice the results. That's our primary goal, right? We're, we're doing the work to get these results that we want and this credit and the glory is all kind of secondary and it's still deserved. Um, but I think that it's important to remember that primary 
primary goal. Um, and remember, when you've had an idea, um, it's not about escalating it, you know, up to, you know, the next level of the hierarchy. Um, it's about kind of getting grassroots support and shouting your idea as many times to as many people as possible until eventually people just start naturally associating that idea or that concept with you um, because you're, you're just doing the work. Um, it doesn't always happen like that. Um, and even I'm guilty sometimes of being like, oh my gosh, if they would just, you know, do what I say. Um, but it, it, a lot of times it's about that long game and making sure that um, we're, we're getting as many people to buy in as possible. Mm. I like that. And I, w I would add to that, that, I mean, it does happen. To your point, I think you need to Pick your battles a little bit. Understand when it's worth bringing to light and when it's not. Um, I have been in this situation, um, and I will tell you the way in which you handle it is so critical. Um, so I do not call people out in public. Um, I don't ascribe malice to something that may have not been intended. Um, I have been in a situation where it's happened repeatedly with the same person. And so I, I have taken that person aside, and, and the way I approached that that was really successful was to say, hey, I really respect you, and I don't know if you're aware of the perception that this created. Um, you know, we're good, I don't, I'm not offended. We got to the right outcome, which is what matters, but I want you to know how this was perceived because I don't want you to get a reputation as somebody who takes credit for other people's work. Mm -hmm. um, now, whether or not they continue to do that, they may do it to other people, but they probably won't do it to you again. Um, so having that really direct but gentle, difficult conversation gives them an incentive to stop that behavior if it truly is bounded or, or, or based in, in trying to, to steal that credit from others. Um, and if it was a mistake, it brings that mistake to light so that they can avoid it in the future. Mm -hmm. I would say, oh, no, two things here. When it comes to having that idea, Typically, when we come to the table with an idea, we have a lot of details behind it in most cases. So when somebody takes that idea, come back with it and follow up with it. Hey, you know, since we're going down this road of this idea, here are some, you know, of the details behind it that I was thinking. So following up to that. Another thing is within the realm of the team that I had uh, previously was it wasn't just me. So where it may be your idea, maybe it's your team idea, make sure that you give credit where credit is due. You know, if someone says, hey, Alana, that was a, a great idea, make sure you're saying, oh, I appreciate that, but it wasn't just me. My team was, you know, a huge part of it as well. So giving credit where credit is due, even it's not just yourself, um, it may be several other, you know, even females that help you make that happen. I would say we truly are best friends because I handled it exactly the same way that you did. Um, it's been kind of coaching conversations. Um, I've seen some people that are really great at it. Um, I've struggled with this throughout my career. Um, it's something I've thought about and, and my brand is just that I, I do it for the good of the, the team and I let it go. I think um, you know, it's a very important not to assign malice to it and to understand a lot of the time, maybe it's not intentional. Um, and if you're doing it for the reasons that are your own reasons and you're okay with it, then you can kind of move on. Um, but if there's, there are tons of people that are great at it and if that's important to you, follow them. Don't listen to what I'm saying. Um, but just be true to your brand and to your values and handle it the way that, that fits with what's important to you and what you, what you value. The HR professionals were then asked to give tips to those who want to have conversations about salary increases. 
Jessica Zacharias took the first stab at it, followed by Atlanta McNary, Kara Hunt, Jennifer Blunden, and back to Jessica. Okay, so Karen Reimer said right at the beginning of this morning, um, it's really hard to argue with data. My first thought was, you'd be surprised. Um, (laughs) But my second thought was, um, this is the exact type of conversation where data is important. Um, And I I think the reason you might be surprised why it's easy to argue with data um, is because people don't have the right data when they're coming to the conversation. So when it comes to salary, um, you want to do your research. You want to figure out, okay, what what is the job I'm doing? Am I called the right thing? Is my job comparing you know equally to other jobs in the market? Once you've figured that out, Um, kind of figure out what the salary range might be for a similar job. But it's important to kind of pay attention to the um, data set, I guess, Um, because if you're in a job where access to similar talent um, is pretty easy to get a hold of in this market, you're not going to want to use coastal competitors in your data. Um, So looking at Silicon Valley salaries um, isn't really going to help you when you get to the point of having that conversation. So really be able to speak to, this is how I compare to other people in this market, and I know that's where we're sourcing talent. Um, You you just want to get as specific as possible. Um, also, we all know that we're, we're talking to each other more and more about our salaries within our organizations nowadays, and I think that's good. I'm an advocate of that because um, I think that empowers you as an employee. But just keep in mind that there are so many complex factors um, when it comes to determining a person's salary, um, whether that's years of experience, um, specific projects that they're working on, um, different behaviors that um, are difficult to train, anything like that. There's a lot of factors, so you can't kind of look at a, a black and white comparison. So just be aware of that. That's good. I would 100% agree. I mean, even in the HR world, we can have material handlers as a job title, but you can have actually 15 different ty- or descriptions for material handlers. So you definitely want to look at what your job actually is and is it titled the right thing and the different aspects between those as well. But I think you also need to know who your audience is when you're going to present this data because you're going to have some people that prefer the numbers aspects. You're going to have some people that prefer the graphs. If you know the audience that you're trying to present this to and tailor it to them, that is going to be very beneficial as well. I would say the American Association of University Women, um, used to have it checked recently, has some great online free training that you can take that's salary negotiation training. Um, So you can check that out. It's it's both for people in the professional world as well as college students um, getting ready to go after their first job. Um, So if you know anyone who's in, you know, getting ready to go after their first job or if you're interested yourself, you can go check out. It's AAUW. for that training. Um, locally, we have salary ICT, and in our classes, we talk about exactly what you're talking about. Um, for that wage data, you're going to want to make sure that that is employer-submitted wage data, not that employees are submitting that, um, because that's going to be what we're looking at. Um, so you're going to want to make sure that we're having the same benchmark, because um, that's what your HR professionals are going to be pulling as well. Um, but that data is important. I would also say, if you come prepared with your accomplishments in a data format, because salary is so personal, um, you know, it is a benchmark that we all look at to define our value. 
value sometimes. And so I think the more that you can put down, I've accomplished this and I've increased X or Y by X or Y percentage, um, it's just makes it that much easier that you're coming with your data of the salary, why you got that, and what accomplishments you're basing that on. I think it makes the conversation um, flow a little easier. Yeah, I think those are all great points. And I, I also think, you know, coming with that external data validated, um, coming with your own data around what you're doing above and beyond. You know, we talk a lot in my company about over and above the next best alternative, right? So if you talk about here's what you could expect from someone in the role and here's what I'm doing above that. And in fact, here's some feedback from my customers about how they value that. Uh, really understanding what your company values is so important. Sometimes it's that yearly, gosh, we had a tough financial year and you stopped the hemorrhaging. Let's talk about that. And sometimes it's the really longer term value. Sometimes it's, hey, you know, I'm not a supervisor at this point, but I do a lot of onboarding of new people. I help them assimilate with our culture. I help them bring their new perspective to our company. Um, so really highlighting those ways in which you can differentiate yourself from you know a thousand other people that may uh, thousand, thousand other people that may have that title, um, I think can be really helpful to you because ultimately it's all about the individual and what you're bringing to the table. Um, and I'd also encourage people to think about incentives even more broadly than just salary, right? Salary negotiations are the one that we think about. Um, but if you, you know, if you've got munchkins at home and you really could use Fridays off, or um, you need some flexibility in your work schedule, don't be afraid to bring those things up because depending upon your company, depending upon the leader, um, they may be much more able to work with you on those incentives. They may have a struggle based on you know, a difficult fiscal year. Um, so talk through those things really directly with your leadership and be willing to think about um, something more than just salary. You know, base that conversation on it if that's what you really value. Um, but if there's something else that would really incentivize you to get up in the morning and, and feel valued at that company, bring it to the table and talk about it. I just wanna add one more thing. Um, Wendy, again, I keep quoting people up here, but she um, mentioned this morning, or she talked all about kind of um, the wage gap, um, women being paid 78 cents at best um, on the dollar. And um, one thing that I just, we have a lot of leaders and managers in the room, um, just kind of another perspective to think of when you're on the other side of salary negotiations is men, Research says, um, are judged, hired, compensated based on potential, whereas women are held to a standard of their previous accomplishments. So while I think it's really great to be able to sell what you've done and you know everything that justifies you know previously the salary that you're negotiating for, um, I'd really love to see more leaders kind of challenging their own thought processes and thinking like, am I, am I thinking at all about the potential of this woman who's negotiating with me right now? Um, do I need to have seen every behavior that I'm compensating for already? Or can I kind of take a chance on her like I do with most of the men in the room, so. Finally, panelists were asked for tips on eliminating wage gaps in the workplace. Are there strategies to be followed? Up first was Jennifer Blunden, followed by Kara Hunt, Jessica Zacharias, Alana McNary, and back to Jessica. <laughs> um, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I do think 
arm yourself with the data, and, and to your point, be willing to ask someone to take a bet on you. I think we talked about that a little bit before. I, I have used those exact words, where I'm really interested in a role, I think that I can be successful at it, um, but I'm not the sure fit because I've, I've done all of these things before, right? And I would say, if you've done all of those things before, then you probably should be in a different role. Right? You shouldn't just make these lateral moves and keep doing the same thing. Um, but I have had to articulate that really directly at times to people to say, hey, I've, I've already done all of these things. Um, I think I'm pretty good at it. So I feel like I've earned the opportunity for you to take a bet on me to do something more. Um, and oftentimes, if you're just if you're humble and you have that conversation, um, you can challenge some of those, you know, maybe even unconscious biases where they say, well, you know, why why wouldn't I be willing to take a bet on that person? Um, so it's it's going to take time to close that gap. There is no silver bullet, unfortunately. Um, but I think it's it's incumbent upon us to advocate for ourselves and do that from, from an intellectually honest place and with some humility. I would agree. One of the things um, being within the HR realm is obviously we have a lot of information that we can see across the company, people in the same roles, et cetera, but even down to a management level, if you're a manager and you're hiring individuals underneath you and you can see your team's wage scales and you can see that the female coming in the door, it has the same exact experience and education. Obviously everything varies a little bit, but you look at your other team members on your uh, that you may have, male, female, start being an advocate there for the women on your team. Um, going back to HR and saying, you know, if they're not having the same mindset, obviously, hey, this person that I want to hire, you know, is actually more qualified this end than this individual. Speak up because it starts with us, um, and we need to start making that change ahead of the ahead of the game, um, showing that our company and our employees and our peers that um, we can level that out by starting with ourselves. I would say with um, Equal Pay ICT, facilitating some of those sessions, um, education and permission are the two things I would say. Uh, it feels like one of the big takeaways is that women feel an aha moment when they hear that it's okay to ask for more money, it's okay to negotiate. It seems like in those, in those seminars that there's a big when they hear that it's okay. Um, and so I think education, to, to know how to have the conversation and to know that it's okay to ask um, and that other people are asking um, are kind of the big, mm. the big takeaways. And the other thing that we hear a lot is that men will also apply for jobs when they have less of the qualifications, that women feel like we need to have 100% to apply for a job, whereas a man can apply at 50%. So when I say we're better together, I'm not bashing anyone. I'm saying there's things that we can learn um, and there's things that they can learn from us. And so I think better together, um, that you know maybe we should start applying for things when we're not at 100%. Um, maybe we should start asking for more when we don't feel like we have all of those things too. So um, those are things that I think we can take away. And to build on another's point around you know, advocating for your teams, I would say if you are someone who has people reporting to you, don't wait for them to ask. That's when you start to lose talent because someone will recognize that talent and it may be outside of your group or your company. Um, I actually do salary reviews, total compensation reviews is what I call them, every summer for everyone on my team. And that's looking at everything, not just salary, but what is maybe work flexibility, what gets them out of bed in the morning, what motivates that employee. Um, and even when I have done an assessment and found that at this time we don't you know, recommend a change, I have that conversation with the employee so that they understand 
we've taken the time to look at this, we value what you're doing, here's what we think can help you get to that next level. Give that person that feedback. Don't just wait for them to come and ask you for more money. Talk to them about, you know, actively develop your people, even if it's just developing the ability for them to think it's okay to have that conversation. Help them get comfortable talking about their own compensation, um, even if it's not going to immediately result in a change. Um, one other thing on salary negotiation that I've noticed is um, we talk a lot at Meritrust about how money is emotional. Um, we have a lot of personal ties to our finances, and that is especially true in a salary negotiation. Um, on the employee side, obviously, they're, they've ramped themselves up, they've done their research, they're heading in, their nerves, they're shaking, you know, all of that um, is at play on the the other side of the table, whether it's HR, whether it's managers, whoever. Um, there's also a, a little bit of emotion um, there. Sometimes it can feel like our employees are accusing us, right, of, of not paying them enough um, or not recognizing their skills, whatever. And so I think we kind of collectively have to push past that, um, give ourselves a minute to have our emotional response, and then check ourselves. Okay, I, do I really need to have this emotional uproar, or can I just assume kind of that this is a standard conversation? We've given them permission to have this conversation socially, you know, in the corporate world, whatever. Um, and same with employees. You might get that emotional response um, from your manager or from HR. You might feel some like extreme tension. Push past that. Keep having the conversation. Keep, you know, go in there with your data and just push past that. And eventually it will even out over time. I hope you enjoyed the insight of our four HR professionals here in Wichita talking about tips and strategies for career advancement by women. If you haven't yet attended one of our Ignite ICT summits, it's well worth your time. And thanks to those four for a revealing discussion. And that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 283. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Well, be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.